Why is the pathology lab so critical to your relationship with your patients? You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, Professor of Surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. John Brooks, Professor of Pathology and Laboratory Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania Medical School and Pathology Chair and Director for Pathology and Laboratory Medicine at the Pennsylvania Hospital. Dr. Brooks is also the current President of the American Society for Clinical Pathology. Welcome, Dr. Brooks. Glad to be here. Today we are discussing the pathology lab. What exactly is the role today of the pathology lab, Dr. Brooks? The pathology laboratory and the pathology community in general does have increasing difficulties in today's world, actually. There are a lot of different challenges. One of the more obvious ones is keeping up with uh, the latest technology. So, for example, uh, perhaps a new test is reported in the medical literature, and, of course, that then becomes, you know, fairly instant pressure on the laboratory to adopt such a test, uh, which in turn requires new instrumentation, and the instrumentation is typically a hospital capital budget issue. So, you know, that's just one of the uh, problems that uh, pathology laboratories face. Now, most of these laboratories are in hospitals? Most of the uh, pathology laboratories in America are still in hospitals, although there are quite a number of independent laboratories directly or indirectly attached to hospitals. What about the physician's office laboratory? Physician office laboratories are another source of test results. What I would say there is, and you know, I think of importance to your listeners, is that what tends to be done in a physician's office lab are so-called wave testing, moderate complexity testing, uh, done on uh, machines, uh, some of which are handheld machines. The problem is, while people tend to think that you just you know put something in and out pops a number, uh, a number will pop out, but it may not always be precise or accurate. So what we as laboratorians would say is there's a constant need for controls and validation of, of all those types of instruments. You know, they, basically folks should uh, either check it themselves or have someone in to check it from time to time. And another thing they could do is uh, split samples if they want to be sure, you know, once every, you know, year or half a year or so, uh, send samples to a regular lab and compare it with your own results. Now, how do you think that the relationship has changed between the clinicians and the pathologists? While we are in the background and, of course, in the public, and I'm sure your listeners, listeners may chuckle, uh, we have this reputation, uh, you know, at a cocktail party, you know, people shy away from us, et cetera. <laughs> I mean, it's terrible. And the first thing I say is we deal with the living, uh, which we do. 99% of what we do, we deal with biopsies, uh, blood, cultures, uh, you name it, uh, as I'm sure your listeners know. But what goes unsaid too often, and even in medical schools, is that, you know, the pathologist and the, every laboratory professional working in the lab feels and has a relationship with uh, you, the clinician, and your patient. While we have that sample in our hands, it could be a blood sample or, or a tissue biopsy, it's even more obvious, we hold their life in our hands uh, for that 
brief period prior to making a tissue diagnosis or prior to figuring out that they have a high HCG level and might be pregnant and what have you. The more people realize we have that relationship, uh, the more we ourselves become part of the healthcare team. But I think importantly, the more others see us, and, and hopefully they do, uh, uh, those who deal with their own uh, local laboratory uh, professionals and pathologists, they know them, they can talk to them, go to them anytime, get a reference, take a look at the culture sensitivity results, see how, how the drug sensitivity is working there, and, and, and all of that. And that has tremendous value. It won't be noticed until it's taken away, and, and perhaps uh, we can expand upon that. Now, early in my career, I remember when the pathologist used to actually come into the operating room and I would hand the specimen directly to the pathologist. They would see anatomically where it came from, and their pathology lab was relatively close to the operating room. Has that changed at all uh, where the laboratories are relationship to the clinicians and the uh, physicians? You know, good point. I was raised the same way you were, and uh, we did go into the operating room. Uh, in many instances, however, the way they build hospitals, and of course they, they never build them uh, by asking the people who are going to inhabit the rooms. <laughs> uh, <right. laughs> uh, but they, they typically put the frozen section room away from the ORs now. Or if somebody designs it, it's a five-by-five five room that can't hold a cryostat. <laughs> so we, we run into these problems, and, and but that is on the surgical side, that would lead to a little bit of a disconnect. It, however, I wouldn't really dwell on that because typically the biopsying surgeons you know, often come down to pathology and talk things over or you know, give us a buzz on the phone. If you have just joined us, you are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, professor of surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and we are speaking with Dr. John Brooks, professor of pathology and laboratory medicine at the University of Pennsylvania Medical School and pathology chair and director for pathology and laboratory medicine at the Pennsylvania Hospital. We are talking about the pathology lab. Dr. Brooks, what types of standard practices are used when you evaluate these tissue samples? Uh, for example, in tissue samples, aside from the time-honored H&E section, we now have a great armamentarium of antibodies that we use on tissue, and that practice is called immunohistochemistry. So, for example, if we have a tumor nodule in the lung, and we suspect morphologically that it might be a metastatic prostate cancer and not a primary lung cancer, we just stain it for PSA, actually. A PSA is a antibody as well as a blood test. Uh, we have a variety of different cytocurtains with stain epithelium, lymphoid markers that stain types of lymphomas and leukemias, and sarcoma markers as well. So it's really advanced quite a bit since uh, the days when I began my, uh, my surgical pathology practice. Now, does it always take a number of days to get the final results? Very good question. Uh, I think, you know, biopsying folks should generally say to the patient, you know, this is going to take about a week. We get the, uh, so many biopsies, particularly the small biopsies, they are out in 24 hours to us. We are reading the slides. 
If there's no problem, the case is signed out in 24 hours. That doesn't mean that if a sheet of paper or an email result gets over to a physician's office, however. If you're relying on paper from a local laboratory, that can take a few days. If you happen to be computer-connected, you know, it can take just you know, moments. Uh, however, if anything unusual is there, that is actually when pathologists uh, make their money, so to speak. Uh, we realize that. We order special stains. They will take at least an extra day, and occasionally we have to do a second round uh, of immunostains. Uh, and when that result comes out, it should be out in four to five days. If there's a larger resection, take a colon resection, a gastric resection, etc., you can tell your patient that that's going to take at least a week because the fixation involved, at least overnight for that, then sections, then, uh, you know, potential going back to the specimen if we need to. So we basically have our turnaround time is 80% and 24 uh, to 48 hours. But it's those other 20%, of course, that give us all the phone calls, et cetera. Well, not being a pathologist, I know that when I see at conferences the pathologic slides, that this is interpretation by yourselves. And if you didn't point it out, I certainly would not really know what I was looking at. Do you routinely have other pathologists in your group look at the same slides, or only when there's a question? Excellent question, and also relates to quality control in the laboratory. Basically, many laboratories have a daily conference, consensus conference, we call it. So if I have any question at all, I bring it to the conference, and suppose I think a tumor is a borderline tumor of the ovary, and no more. I will show the most worrisome area, and everybody says, yeah, no, no, that's all consistent with a borderline tumor. Don't worry about it. So that is done all the time. Uh, And you will see that. There should be documentation on the pathology report about who all saw a case because there are now these uh, regulations that we should put such names on there. In fact, we have to put everything on there, what stains we did and and so forth. Uh, Labs tend to be highly regulated inspected by multiple different organizations. And I'm going to add one more thing about pathology reports that I think that will affect uh, all of your listeners. Patients now read these. Yes. So we are quite cognizant, uh, at least most pathologists are, of wording things in a, in, you know, properly uh, you know, with that in mind uh, so that the patient can understand. You know, a lot of times we certainly still use our... Uh, medical jargon, but at least if there's a note that needs to be added to clarify something, it usually is. Well, what do you do if your group disagrees and can't come to a consensus? Basically, the idea that no pathologist has hubris, uh, (laughs) does not think that he or she is the be-all and end-all. As soon as you have a question, and, and you may have a disagreement with your colleagues on how far to go, for example, a breast biopsy, is it ductal carcinoma in situ or just a typical duct hyperplasia? Mm-hmm. This can be, uh, you know, one is called cancer and the patient feels that. One is followed, perhaps rebiopsy. Those will go out to an expert. Uh, and so that, that is just common practice. It's, it's uh, all done very quickly. And quite commonly, the results are back uh, within a week, say, depending upon the expert. 
but that again gets to the idea that pathologists uh, try to always give the best for the patient, not worry about whether they know something or don't don't know it. You know, there are so many things in the uh, pathology world to be aware of, and new diagnoses coming up all the time. You know that this is common practice, and it's also common for us to go to a lot of CME courses, mm-hmm. uh, constant reeducation. I want to thank Dr. John Brooks, who has been our guest. We have been discussing the pathology lab. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.